The readings for this feast of Christ the King, the epistle is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. Brethren, we give thanks to God the Father who has made us worthy to share the lot of the saints in light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have our redemption through his blood, the remission of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For in him were created all things in the heavens and on the earth, things visible and things invisible, whether thrones or dominations or principalities or powers. All things have been created through and unto him, and he is before all creatures, and in him all things hold together. Again, he is the head of the body, the church, he who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the first place. For it has pleased God the Father that in him all fullness should dwell, and that through him he should reconcile to himself all things, whether on the earth or in the heavens, making peace through the blood of his cross in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John. At that time, Pilate said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of yourself, or have others told you of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own people and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my followers would certainly have thought that I might not be delivered to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, You are then a king? Jesus answered, You say it, I am a king. This is why I was born and why I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, I am so sick and tired of hearing about the rights of man. Ever since the Declaration of the Rights of Man, and even to a certain degree, our own Declaration of Independence, all we've been hearing about for the past 250 years is the rights of man. No one speaks about the rights of God anymore. And in our day, the rights of God are completely forgotten. But the rights of man make absolutely no sense unless we first consider the rights of God. And modern man has even the gumption to call our modern period a period of enlightenment. That this obsession with the rights of man to the total exclusion of the rights of God is somehow a period of illumination when in fact it should be called a benightenment, a benighting of the human race, a darkening of the human race. Today they call the greatest age of the world's history, as yet, in the Middle Ages, they call that dark, while the ages of intellectual superficiality are called ages of rebirth and ages of great illumination. If there's anything that we traditional Catholics have to stand for today, it's definitely not the rights of man, but it is the rights of God. People today have completely forgotten about the rights of God. 
You know that this was the entire motivation of Archbishop Lefebvre in his struggle for tradition. If he fought for the Mass, it was because he was fighting for the rights of God. And if he fought against the errors of Vatican II, it was for the same reason. He was fighting for the rights of God. If we fight for the Mass, but we don't fight for the rights of God, then we're missing the whole picture. We miss the entire point. If we attend Mass, but then we turn a blind eye to things like religious liberty and ecumenism, which are explicit denials of the rights of God over the human race, then we're not really addressing the problems of our time, and we're not keeping ourselves uncontaminated from the errors of our modern day. That's why it's so important for us to be clear about the rights of God and shape our entire perspective of reality from the viewpoints of those rights and not from the perspective of these so-called rights of man. The very first thing that we have to understand about the rights of God is that God has rights over rights. What I mean is that God is not just a possessor of rights. He makes rights. He decides what rights exist and what rights do not exist. To take an example of this, well, this fact that, that God has power over rights and that it really belongs to a superior to decide what rights are, what rights exist and what rights do not exist, and it does not belong to the inferior. We as human beings, we are the inferiors of God. He is our superior, he is our creator, so he gets to decide the rights. The same thing, the same sort of thing exists in a, in a normally running state. To, to take an example of this, if you consider your driving rights in Colorado, the state of Colorado is superior to you, the driver. And so it belongs to the state to decide what your rights are when you're on the road and what are not your rights. So. If I got pulled over by a police officer for running a stop sign and I say to him, well, you know, I had the right of way. He would say to me, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. According to, this, to the laws of the state of Colorado, you didn't have that right. That right didn't exist to you. And if I said, well, you know, it's my personal right to decide when I have the right of way. And I decided that I always have the right of way, no matter what. No matter what signs are up there, I always have the right of way. That's my decision that I've made. He would consider me to be crazy. He would say, no, you have no right to decide your road rights. That belongs to the state. No driver can decide his own rights when he's on the road. You receive your rights from the state. Not from yourself. And he would be right. And if I or someone else spoke to the police officer in this way, we would consider that person to be crazy. Yet the fact is that a greater degree of insanity is being practiced by human beings all around the world, including the legislature of Colorado. And this insanity consists in thinking that humans have the right to decide what their rights are as human beings and what are not their rights. That each individual person has the ability to make 
their own rights, to create their own rights. And this, of course, is crazy. It belongs to God to decide our rights, not us. Not because he designed our roads, but because he designed our very persons. He created the human race. He designed human beings. He made them what they are. And by making them what they are, he therefore also, by that fact, makes what is good for them and what is bad for them. He makes for them what their duties are. By making us, for instance, um, male and female, he makes there to be this nature which decides what is good for us and what is bad for us. There are certain things that are right and there are certain things that are wrong just by the way that he designed us. We have a right to do what is right and we have no right to do what is wrong according to what we've been made by God. So God has given us the right to administer justice, to be temperate, to exercise prudence. He's given a right to men and women to be married, to form a family, to have children, to exercise authority over their children. God has given us the right to do everything that is conform in conformity with the nature that he's given us. And those rights are the same as our duties. We have an obligation to do those things, and we have a right to do those things. We have a duty to do what is right, and we have a right to do our duty according to the design of God, of our human nature. But there is no right, absolutely no right, to do what is wrong. There is no human right, and there never will be a human right, to birth control, to abortion, to drug use, to drunkenness, to fornication, to homosexuality. And it doesn't matter what legislature passes whatever law that supposedly, at least on paper, gives us the right to do these things. Because no legislature has the power to be God, to redesign human nature, to declare by some sort of legalistic fiat what is good for human beings and what is right for human beings. No one has that power. It's a certain usurpation of a divine power. So, I mean, the legislature of Colorado can pass a law legalizing the use of marijuana, but they cannot make it a right. They cannot make it good for human beings. They cannot make it a duty for human beings. They cannot make it per correct and proper and lawful. In reality, in the eyes of God, it will always be wrong, no matter what. So, to, to attempt to make it a right is crazier than the attempt to tell a police officer that I have a right to decide when I have the right of way. Because we're not dealing with a limited legislature in one state. We're dealing with the power of God himself. We're trying to steal the divine power. We are trying to divinize ourselves, to become our own creators. And in this sense, our modern world is in a certain mutiny against God himself, trying to take God's place over the human race, his lawful domain. What does this mean for the realm of religion? Does God have rights over rights in religion, as well as 
rights over human nature? Of course. Of course he does. And in a sense, the rights that God establishes in religion are even more important than the rights which he establishes in human nature. And the very first right is the first commandment. I am the Lord thy God. You will not have other gods. I am God. Any gods that you create are not God. You have no right to worship them. You have the right to worship the true God. You have no right to worship any other God. And it's so sad that this is what modern churchmen refuse to recognize. They refuse to recognize the right of God to be worshipped exclusively. The only true God. They believe that humans have the power to decide rights in religion. That humans can somehow make their own gods, and by the fact that they make that god, they have a right to worship that god. That somehow God has given to humans the right to make their own gods and worship them. And so if a Hindu in India decides that Vishnu is to be worshipped, then there's a right for Vishnu to be worshipped. And if a Greek wants to worship Aphrodite, then there's a right for Aphrodite to be worshipped. And if some Amazonian in the forest of Brazil wants to, to venerate Pacamama, then there's a right for Pacamama to be worshipped. And if there's a right for Amazonians to worship Pacamama, if that's part of their human dignity, then we have to acknowledge that right. We have to show our solidarity with the Amazonians choosing to worship some you know, naked pregnant woman that represents the fertility of Mother Earth. We have to show the Amazonians that we approve of the way that they have decided to worship their invented God. We have to put Pacamama in the Vatican Gardens and in the churches of Rome to show our recognition of the religious rights of the Amazonians. This mentality, this idea that humans have rights over religion, as well as over their own human nature, that's the only way you can explain the insanity that has gone on in the recent Amazonian Synod. Modern churchmen, they sincerely believe that human beings have freedom of worship. And by that, I mean that God has given to human beings the right to make their own gods and worship them as God. And that's somehow part of their human dignity, the dignity that God has given to every single human being. But of course, there is no such right and to acknowledge such a right is to take the crown off of our Lord Jesus Christ, to take the rights that belong to him and transfer them to individual human beings who have no such right. It's not just the rights of the true God to be worshipped that modern churchmen refuse to recognize. It is also the rights of the church herself of which they are the leader. Let us remember, God has rights over rights in the realm of religion. He gives or establishes rights. Our Lord Jesus Christ has all the powers, legislative, judicial, and executive powers in the realm of religion. He gets to decide the rules because he is God and no one else is. What rights has he established? Well, you know what happened. God himself he himself came down upon this earth. And while he was here, he established the church. 
And he gave that church a mission. He gave that church rights. He told that church to go and preach to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he didn't tell that to any other institution. There's no other religion that has this commission. There is no other religion that has these rights. This means that the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church alone has the God-given right to teach the faith throughout the entire world. She has the God-given right to teach the United States, to teach India, to teach Cambodia, to teach wherever in the entire world. She is the bearer of truth, religious truth. She is the bearer of religious rights on this planet by the decision of God. There's only one God who is master of reality, and he has established and conferred rights on only one church. Therefore, that's the only church that has a right to do religion on this planet. The rest of the religions have no right to exist. They do not have a right to worship in the way that they want to worship. God has not given them any authority to do what they're doing. Mormons have no rights to religion. JWs have no rights to religion. Baptists have no rights, and so on. The famous saying is that error has no rights. Erroneous religions do not have rights. God has not authorized them, and he's the one from whom all rights come in reality. That's why it's so wrong for us to show approval for non-Catholic religions in any way. And if we do, we're ultimately disrespecting our Lord Jesus Christ himself. We're usurping the domain that belongs to God alone. We're saying that he does not have the right to establish the rights of religion. We're telling him, you have no right to tell us how to do religion. We get to decide. We get to say who God is. We get to say who we're going to worship. We are the creators of God. You are not the creators of us. My dear faithful, the rights of man that you hear so much about today are fake. They're an insane delusion. No man has a right to decide what is right to make what is right and what is wrong that belongs to God alone. And no man has a right to tell God who he is and how he is to be worshipped. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the superior. He has the right to tell us, his creatures, how we are to worship him. He has a right to design the road to heaven and the rules for traveling on that road. There is no other He is Christ the King. We are his subjects. And so we have to remain faithful to him in today's society that rejects his rights. First of all, in your own families. You must want our Lord Jesus Christ to reign in your own families, that there be these little pockets all throughout the United States, homes where our Lord Jesus Christ is truly king, families where the mother and the father and the children recognize that God is God, that he became incarnate, that he legislates these things, and that submitting to his rule is the very purpose of our existence. And slowly but surely, through 
these little pockets, these families that have been enthroned to the Sacred Heart where the rights of God are recognized and the fake rights of man are denied, that there Christ reigns. And from these little pockets, slowly but surely, the reign of Christ the King may spread. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.